0: and welcome to Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. Today we've got a returning captain with us uh, for a very special reason. We've got Captain Bart Eaton returning And what he brought to me today was an actual copy of the Kodiak Mirror, the newspaper from Kodiak, Alaska. The date on it is Monday, August 2nd, 1971, and I'm just going to read the first paragraph of it to you. It says, Yesterday, Sunday, August 1st, 1971, may very likely become a historic milestone date marking the real beginning of what could conceivably conceivably become Alaska's greatest fishery and the beginning of a real and meaningful competition by the United States with other foreign nations for the rich marine resources of Alaska's vast continental shelf area. So what this is saying is it was a first trip ever for what was previously called the Frostfish, uh, but now called Alaska Wild Pollock. Bart, you were on that very first boat to ever go out and do this. That was was on that date of uh, August 1st, 1971. The boat was the Peggy Joe? Yes. Okay, so let's, let's hear about the experience. What brought it together? And did you know that you were going to be introducing what has become today the greatest fishery in Alaska? No, no, it was just a dream. I was
1: over it when you fished on the Peggy Joe with Oscar. Even when we had, didn't have work to do or go down to the boat, we'd go over to Oscar's house with Peggy and have coffee and talk. And, you know, and we were in that early righteous stage where we were getting excited. You could go out to Fort Abercrombie, and Kodiak and see the lights of the Russians and Jap boats out there fishing, and we didn't have any markets. Well, you, we we were we were starting to get cranked up about about that. Why why can't we get a market? Because we knew we could catch or not. We I was a deckhand on there. I was following orders, but I was I got captivated by the dream from Oscar. Mm-hmm. We were fishing shrimp in those days, and I raised a family for a few years on four cents a pound shrimp. You know, we we actually made made money at that. So we were we were looking for that, and you know how fishermen are—they get to talking to each other and getting everybody cranked up. So one day we're over there, and Oscar said, "Well, let's go out. We can prove we can catch some of that." And Oscar had an old bait net because we used to catch our own bait for crab laying out under the trees and it half snowed and everything so it's all stuck to the ground mm-hmm. and we, we go out there and there was another crew member with me danny olson from kodiak and ron Jolin. i wish they were here because they could tell their side of the story everybody's got got a side mm-hmm. you know i shouldn't say this but i usually don't read bibliographies because you can't tell the story straight you know you gotta <laughs> you know so add a little to it you know i usually preface anything i tell a story like in the movies now like based on the truth <laughs> certain things were added for cinematography and traumatization yeah all that stuff but it so there may be somebody say i'm a little bit full of shit but i i'm used to to that i've been hearing that since kindergarten <laughs> but anyway so you went out and got this net from yeah out underneath and, the tree. and, we, and to get it off the ground, we had to hook it up to Oscar's four-wheel drive truck and pull it, pull it, break it loose from the ground. And, oh man, none of us knew how to really sew up a net. We we did what I remember in those days, said koozie, and I think that I know what it meant. It meant just sew up that hole. You know, you you, you don't sew up mesh by mesh by mesh. We just sew up the hole. Right. So we took it down because we were rigged up to fish shrimp. And there was so much shrimp in those days, you didn't really have to sew up your net; just do a koozie. (laughs) So I'm a koozie fisherman. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Oscar got got us all excited about going out to Shilakov Trace straight and try and catch some pollock. Or cod, you know, because they they, they both came together. And cod was good because we liked eating cod. Cod, Cod's a great fish. Mm -hmm. So we said, okay, and the crew members I remember were kind of well, Oscar, it's going to cost fuel, and we're paying food fuel and bait. We were kind of well who's going to pay the fuel on this and Oscar says, "I'll pay it all, don't don't worry, you know, but us being crews were worried about well, what's the cost of this fuel doing yeah. this experimental stuff right <laughs> and so anyway, we all went out there and we we made I think three toes and we wound up with about 15,000 pounds down the bottom of the boat and so we brought it into town and nobody really wanted it but back on the East Coast they used to deliver fish in boxes you know that that's how they used to do it so we got some wooden boxes put about 25 pounds in them and went to the different processors and set it on the front step.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, just trying R- to... Rang the doorbell and ran away? Or <laughs> oh, no! We, we said, God
1: damn, we, 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 we can sell this stuff. It's right out there. So, uh, and we were always agitated about it because being fishermen, we were anxious to get, just get it going. Right. Just to fish it. And of course... The more we got going, the more we got going. And of course, we always had a big conspiracy, like fishermen always have, that the cannery, some of the canneries, and a lot of them were Japanese owned. And our our suspicion was they just didn't want us to get going, you know, which was a reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. But we were agitating against against that with Senator Stevens and Don Young and everybody. We got to get them out of here. So anyway, one thing led to another, and we made up our minds to go get this fish and brought it and gave it around, and it was kind of a joke—not for our sake, (laughs) but if you read that article, it's just a bunch of fishermen. But we all got captivated on that dream, and that's actually when we really started agitating for the 200-mile limit, you know, that or something. Like that, we really didn't know envision the 200-mile limit would be what it turned out to be, but it it turned out okay for everybody, and so we we got that going. We brought that fish in, gave it all around, and got all excited about it. And that is, as far as I know, unless somebody can find up. A fish ticket. And I don't think there was ever a fish ticket on this. <laughs> uh, we all had our crew license and fi- fi- fishing license, but I never asked if, you know, because now you can't
0: drop a net in the wa- water without three days of administrative work. So, yeah, it sounds like uh, maybe Dyson got, based on this article, it sounds like Dyson kind of got the idea from his brother John, who was visiting from the East Coast.
1: No, John, John was there just to visit, he didn't get the idea from his, his brother. His brother chimed in about, here's how they do it on the oh, East Coast. Because yeah. Oscar came from the East Coast. Gotcha. And and I, I got to throw this in about Oscar because it's kind of good too. He came from the East Coast like a lot of younger guys did in those days, Second World War, to get construction work on building the Alaska Highway. Because we, they all thought the Japanese were, were going to come come down from Attu and Akutan or a- a- Adak until the Battle of Midway, of course. That changed our, their plans. Mm-hmm. So he came out to the West Coast as a masked marvel in a carnival where if you could stay in the ring with him, three rings, you could make a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar's, you know, Oscar's since passed away, but most people didn't know he had a shriveled arm. Because he got about to Nebraska, and he jumped in there with this big farmer, and the farmer started cranking on his arm. <laughs> and he wouldn't let go. And Oscar, Oscar tells us that he he whispered to the guy just back off, you'll get your hundred bucks. <laughs> but, but Oscar and you, uh. A lot of pe- people, unless they've been around Oscar and done things, they didn't know that, that, that he, he had what he called a shriveled arm because it never came back 100%. Right. But anyway, that's how he got out there and fishing. And then he and Nellie were. A, but for me personally, working on the Peggy Joe was one of the best things I
0: ever did. Was that. I'm trying to remember back on it. One of the episodes you did, wasn't the Peggy Joe one of your first boats or was it much later than that?
1: No, it was one of my second and third boat. but that was the first boat I saw when I went to Kodiak in the boat harbor. Peggy Joe was one of the first steel boats built and the first boat to have a NOAA loan of some kind. I mean, it was way ahead of everybody doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was a, but I got to know Peggy, Peggy, and Oscar. And when you worked on Oscar's boat, you were kind of adopted, kind of, you know, because uh, it's just like being in the military with a master sergeant or a gunny or something. You don't want to disappoint, you know, you, you you wanted, and they they were great. And I was with Oscar when Peggy first started giving the weather. We'd be down at the south end of Kodiak, and Oscar would call, call in, because Peggy in her house had this, I remember this radio, I think it was a Connell a little brown radio that you could, you had to tune, you had to switch to 2145 or something like that. But I think it was the antenna or something, and she had a voice that would, I think the word is modulate good. I mean, it would travel clear to Nome. On the, the same radio, Oscar trying talk on it and he he sounded like a frog croaking but Pe- peggy j- just had that y- unique voice so voice so peggy started almost every morning after national marine fishery she'd give a weather for forecast and then the tugboats and everybody calling would call into peggy you know i'm at cape sarachef and it's blowing 15 you know not so much what the weather forecast was, but what the weather forecast is. What's happening. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right there. So everybody started calling in to her. And then she got to where she was calling messages. and Call some guy on a boat and say, well, it's a boy. It was at 4 o'clock yesterday morning. And, you know, all, all, all those, and your girlfriend's getting kind of nervous that so you haven't called. <laughs>
0: it was it, stuff, stuff like that. She's been mentioned a lot in previous episodes. Oh, well. She's a rock star a movie star up there she is so well known well but i didn't realize the connection that peggy joe yeah well is peggy that's peggy peggy joe was their first daughter
1: uh well i think it's her only daughter but yeah so is uh, peggy joe in fact oscar gave see i'm I'm a kid, I don't know how, well, I'm kind of a kid there. He always said, when well, you get a boat, never name it for your daughter because you'll never sell the damn thing. He says, because you got your, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we had, I mean, back in those days when you were on a boat, like the crew, right? We had Danny Olson, Ron Jolin, Pete Harris, but he, he wasn't on this trip, but we just kind of hung up. You know, we, we were part of the, It was a a real group group thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you try any of that pollock on that first trip? Did you eat any of it? I ate some cod. (laughs) And and I think with 15,000 pounds and no place to sell it, everybody had some pollock in town. Everybody Mm -hmm. that wanted some would come down and get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what impresses me about, number one, being about lucky to see it all, you know, and still be able to tell a story, Mm -hmm. you know because uh, Oscar's gone, Nellie's gone. I haven't seen the other crew members. I went up for Oscar's funeral when he got killed in a car wreck up there. In fact, I was real honored because Peggy asked me to give the eulogy. And so I saw all those guys in, but we, we had some, well, not, and it's kind of discouraging to me, not that it means anything to anybody but now I guess they're, uh, they're gonna kind of retire the Peggy Joe from the, not Trident Fleet, but you yeah, yeah, BNN. But there's stories about that. I was on there and I learned, we had the first row crane ever built. And that big bull gear on the bottom was a stainless steel gear out of a B-52. Nose, you know, that, yeah. that, 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 that was a big, big gear. And I know Oscar and Nellie had, had to sign a release form with uh, Roe, that if this thing didn't work out, you know, because it, it all sounded good, but until you know, you, you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, all the unintended things. And so they, they they had to sign a release that they'd never sue if it something broke wrong. or something, yeah. something like that. So Oscar was always on the lead, leading edge. You know, back then you didn't learn,
0: you didn't, worry so much about liability well first steel boat first crane row crane yeah uh first pollock sounds like you guys took well now a see first...
1: see i i i could stand corrected somebody else
0: may that i just don't know about mm-hmm. but i'm pretty sure that was well, even hurt. even if it was happening it was all sereney right no there wasn't even sereney yet it was just it was just there was nothing uh-huh. so
1: <laughs> we just so, I, well, the, the, the main thing, it was always up to the fisherman to prove he could catch it. Mm-hmm. But National Marine Fisheries was starting to catch up because there was uh, a research boat out there that caught a little pollock just doing their research, and they bought, bought it to town and gave it, I think, to the cannery Point Chehalis. You'll notice the, boats, uh, the, the canneries. That's a misnomer. They weren't canneries, but they were fish plants for And if you read the names on here—Gorton's, uh, Pan and W.R. Grace—well, there's none, none of them left. Mm-hmm. You know, they—they they were there, and we were trying to get them. Uh, the one that we thought had the best. Uh, aggressiveness on it was wr grace but they they bought a plant there and then i think wr grace anyway they didn't last that that long because when you start on fish and you don't know what you're doing it can disappoint you real quick and banks don't have as much staying power as, as the fishermen do
0: yeah it uh, it goes on to say that um the Dyson was really pushing to get this fish out there and, and get it well, in front of people.
1: Oh, yeah, well, you know, and then he, he got us... And then, of course, he spotted me right away because I was kind of a righteous guy. See, I'd been, I'd been in the Peace Corps, and I kind of wanted to solve the problems of the world, and that didn't work out too good. But he always caught told me I was his white hat that meant like the old John Waynes sitting behind a log and everybody's shooting at him and he put a white hat up on a stick and see if they're still there <laughs> so so we'd sit there and hey, we had to do this we gotta do this he said yeah why, why don't you go and do that And said sure so away I'd go and I'd come back and Peggy would put bandages on me and stop the bleeding <laughs> But you know, he always says how'd I go I said "Shit, yeah, damn well, good, got a good fight. No, but anyway, that that was just the way it is because I, I hardly did anything without checking with. What do you think, Oscar?
0: Say good, go do it. <laughs> where where did the where did the fish go from there? I mean, after you first started, I mean, how did it become what it is today? Because oh
1: well, it's a step by step thing. You know, uh, it kind of went through the. The next year, I think the Japanese-owned cannery, Bix Bonnie, bought some kind of filleting, and we caught about a 40,000-pound trip, and they chilled some down in ice and sent it down to Seattle here, as I remember right, and had it filleted out, and just trying to trying to see how to work. It, it, it's all step-by-step, step, like anything starts. Mm-hmm. You, you always just do what you, you can do and try and make it work, and try and make it work, and then we got the, see, the, the Japanese were fishing the Shilakos Straits, Strong out there. They were really fishing. In fact, I think Governor Egan come down there w- once, and he put on a big show about... He he was going to close the Shilakos Straits, which he couldn't do, but he, he was going to do it. You know, he had to force it. Uh, and, of course, we were blessed for the years having Senator Stevens, mm-hmm. and he was always on the leading edge of doing what we can do and Don Young they, they work together and one thing I'll say about Senator Stevens, my experience he was smart enough well I, I don't have to tell you he's smart but he he kind of let himself get adopted by Warren Magnuson who was down here in Seattle and I actually met Warren Magnuson through Senator Stevens that introduced me Warren was a Democrat. Stevens was Republican. He said, I want you to meet Warren Magnuson, Alaska's third senator. <laughs> I mean, they, because they both understood everything that came up to Alaska started in Seattle. Yeah. And you had to get together. Compared to now, what you see out there where, hey, you can't even get people in the same party talking to each other. Yeah. Let alone to
0: go over right but yeah yeah yeah, that 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 was quite
1: an experience
0: so you were also present for the for the first big kind of commercial sale of pollock yeah uh can you give us that story yeah we were chuck was
1: doing the plants already going and producing more fillets after surimi and chuck was the first one to put in a plant with what he called that magic valve where if you had a market, you could just twist that valve. Instead of just making siramy, you could do fillets. Well, it's more than a valve, but that was the that was the terminal, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you always wanted to let your buyer know you had a, another option. Mm-hmm. You know, like Eskimos in Norton Sound told me, you got to have two dog teams on the trail, or <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to be able to, to negotiate. So we had uh, Long John Silver's. Buyer called up and asked Chuck. He says, uh, "Toby, I remember that name. He's ahead of Long John Silver's. Wants to come up and see your plant." Well, he no more wanted to see our plant, but he wanted. And, and by the way, while he's up there, could you get him some sport fishing? So, so that's why he was coming up. He was going up. Well, that's that's where the idea struck Chuck on the Annandale. Mm-hmm. So we said sure. So we borrowed a skiff from up on the Branch River, from uh, uh, eight, uh, not APL, Jim Jansen. And so he, he had a cabin up there and we went fishing. And so here, the head of, of Long John Silver's, his head buyer, who'd been turning us down for a year. No, we, we can't use Pollock. We can't use Pollock. Can't use Pollock. Well, Chuck, pretty clever. You pick up this guy in Seattle and there's no donuts on the plane. You know? And, uh, and Toby, he want to stop at Anchorage for food and Chuck said, oh, they don't have any restaurants that are open this time of day. So they get all the way out to Akatan and this guy, uh, he hadn't eaten for 24 hours, but that's that's the way most buyers get handled when they go out on Trident's plane. There ain't no food. <laughs> <laughs> so we got into Akatan and this guy's wanting food you know it's a long time for this guy so we have pollock and david baskin who's managing the the plants now was the cook now dave could tell a better story but and so toby's or the head of long john silver's eating this pollock he said man this is pretty good and right sitting right Next to him was Toby's buyer that would never, no, nah, we aren't gonna even try this stuff. It won't work. Well, now when the president of Long John Silver say, you know, this stuff's pretty good, we ought to try it. Well, then all of a sudden this buyer's nodding his head, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, the guy didn't want to do it right away. He says, No, he says, this is fresh fish. It's not the same as frozen, you know, blah, blah. he 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 was but he didn't know what he's talking about. Well, David Baskin's standing right there. A bastian right? Yeah. And, and he overheard this, and he says, no. Nah. He says, no. Nah. I says, nah. says, I got this. This is a block out of the freezer. I thought it out and everything. And so he and the president are walking around the plant, seeing all this stuff, and here this salesman hanging on, following along beside. Like I said, pretty soon his no-no-no's became the yeah, we ought to. Yeah. You know, it's just, and so. And I think it was within two weeks you know Chuck Chuck memory's better mind, mine we, we made a sale to John's for about 10,000 pounds now that doesn't sound like much you know but you gotta get that 10,000 pounds in yeah and then I kind of think from that genesis and we went fishing caught a lot of fish and they got to know each other you, you know how it goes and it just went went from from there selling more and more and more. Pollock's everywhere now. Oh it's everywhere like what really got me excited about this story and I'm still alive to tell the story and you don't really need somebody to tell the story all you got to read this article I think the Pollock producers have come up with a million dollars or something for some advertising and
0: getting it going. mm -hmm. Yeah yeah that it's great. You look around; you 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 can see pollock boats all over the place. It's a huge, you know, going back from uh, August first, nineteen seventy-one, with your fifteen thousand pounds, right? That was it. Now it's three billion. You know, they're getting three billion pounds. And what's great about it is it it is the most sustainable fishery out there. And I say that because they 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 return so quickly. Well,
1: that all depends on that, you know, how it's managed. Mm -hmm. Because that's where you get into the the management of it. it, it was all parts parts and pieces of a mosaic They got, you know, you have to do step one, step two, and you really didn't know step two. While you're still doing step one, people were thinking about what's what's the next, and you don't really know mm-hmm. what's step two, step three, steps, you know. There was no, even National Marine Fisheries, there, there was no blueprint. This is how you, you do it. Mm-hmm. Even when the then the joint venture started, and boats got experience, and yeah, I mean there's, and I know there's a lot of, it doesn't frustrate me because that's the way life is. But there's a lot of people fishing on pollock boats that don't understand. It started with fifteen thousand pounds, yeah. and they probably have that much going out the scuppers every time they they pull in a hundred thousand pounds. I think it's still interesting that you just took it, put it in boxes, and well pass it around that's what you know like it is well on the east coast they sell it in boxes you know box fish you've probably seen those fish boxes from the east coast mm-hmm. they're pretty heavy been used a lot of course everything's plastic and stuff like that now no but that's was well if they did boxes will do boxes you know just to show them because mm-hmm. uh one of the main things about getting something started in the fisheries which is what got a, a lot of fishermen, the regulators, and the go state department. Always said, oh, Americans can't do that. Well, that got everybody. What do you mean we can't do mm-hmm. it? And so that's what got everybody to kind of prove we could do it and get that market for our fish. But that's the that's what I call the genesis. And just lucky for me, under my bed and my box, I had some of these old articles. You know, all my slides and my pictures are under my bed in a box. I <laughs> don't I just happened to see them. This actually came from Dougie Odell, who was Oscar's stepson. He he had some of it. He wasn't on this trip, but anybody, any anybody from Kodak could recognize that rogues gallery Mm -hmm. Uh, but the thing about me is i'm still alive so i still have that memory of of it happening right there some some things just lock into your brain Mm -hmm. of what the feeling was let's go do it you know or let's do it yeah, and that was kind of exciting at the time, and the dream, and the wish. And you know. so, did you start then ordering better nets for? Oh well, of course, and sure. We, when they got into uh, joint venture, was the first, and there was some of the fishermen there. The guy I throw thrown, name out, I I was pretty good friends in Kodak with Larry Garrison and he had built a boat and i'm talking to him one time i remember and he had researched he was a researching guy he'd gone over to norway and nova scotia and everywhere and we were talking about fishing and nets and he said bart what you got to do is go over where they don't have any fish and they can catch them just, we don't even know you know cuz we like they say, Alaskans are the worst fly fishermen in the world, because you tie a fly on your, your hook and you drop it in, in the water by accident, boom, you got a fish, you know? I mean, cause there's so damn many fish. Right. So, anyway, and it was a learning, you know? These guys, and they, some of these guys are great fishermen, you know? Whatever it is, they studied it. Uh, competition oh there's a lot of guys that could and joint ventures just took off and thankfully we worked at the 200 mile limit they worked them out they worked the foreigners out now I have to tell you the foreigners did help a lot you know cause we had markets and we got going and yep. we learned and you know it, 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 it was herky jerky but So you, and I've li- I've listened to every one of your podcasts on there. <laughs> it's really funny for me because it kind of dawned on me, you know, all your podcasts are, are different names but a lot of the same experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's only so many things can happen to you on a crab boat or a pollock boat. Mm-hmm. But everybody's, a lot of people have ha- had the same kind of experiences. You know, Uh the interesting thing with your stories that people tell you you've had some women on there. And and when you're talking down on Ballard Avenue somewhere there's not many women hang hang out with the guys in the smoke shop. Yep. And you can tell those stories, but you get some ladies talking on here. I like those yeah. those stories cuz you see it from the other side. I, I mean not I, the other side, but that do you know who
0: the Salmon sisters are? I don't know them but I sure kn- kn- know about them. Yeah, long. so um we've been talking to them about recording too and I can't wait for them to you know cuz they were born and raised into the industry and uh, Oh
1: yeah, well that's our, a different everybody's a different a different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, being like when I fished out of Kodiak, that's the best of all worlds cuz you got fish 3 days, you come on, empty the fish, go up the Solis, have dinner, get on the boat, go back out. And well, we started moving to the Bering Sea and being gone for a couple, three, three months. Of course, that's not quite that much now. But most of the guys, I'm sure if they were like me, my, my wife didn't have a clue. She, she didn't have a clue that the risk she was taking by being married to a fisherman with a boat. I remember the first time I wanted to borrow money from a boat, we'd go into the bank, and my wife's sitting there with with, with me, and she's smart, but she'd never heard the bank say, uh, she's reading everything for the first time, because I wanted to get this done quick and get out. She said, what's this jointly severally mean? And the banker's kind of looking, uh, I said, don't worry about it, that's just a nautical term. (laughs) <laughs> and the banker about dropped his false <laughs> <laughs> teeth. You know, because she was signed. right. She didn't know if something went wrong, it meant
0: everything.
1: <laughs> the shoes you're wearing, the house you're living in. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, that's a... a, it's, a it's a nautical term. Nautical term. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's
1: how I explained it. Yeah. But, you know... You don't come home and tell everything. You know, oh, and went great.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and as long as you lifted the hatch, you had a full load of crab, it was great. Yeah. No more explaining.
0: Which was it was just the way it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, you've seen this Pollock thing, obviously. Well, I was you know, I, you know when
1: you I'm going on eighty now. It's a miracle. <laughs> that's just a miracle but I've seen uh, when I was on the shellfish on bear dye crab Ivor went. we had Pacific Pearls came in and said why don't you bring 10,000 pounds of those bear dye in and see if we can sell them we were selling crab and Kodak so because we used to get that much in bycatch and we'd throw them overboard all the time bear dye? yeah that's my favorite crab well, I know but that i'm talking about there was no yeah and so the skipper told us well if we really and then after we brought that on irish says you know maybe i can try thirty thousand pounds now i don't know if there were other people doing it but i know in our process and on the boat and then the skipper says well and boy we we thought he was crazy we stayed in for a couple days and sewed up seven inch mesh so we had smaller mesh, and you know, so we, Coogan Fox was the guy. We set him on the pot rack, and lifted him up, and stood there for two days sewing up meshes on seven by sevens So you get bear eye. Well, so you'd catch more, you know, and then Ivor called up, says, "Bring me thirty thousand pounds." I mean, that was just the way. You, you got to get that first pound,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So we got thirty thousand pounds. Of course, we were all, well, what are we going to get paid? You know, (laughs) that's a crewman's first question. What am I going to get paid? Right. Right. And the skippers, too, you know, because you want to know what you're going to get paid. And then it just went from there. I paid for two college educations off the south end of uh, Kodiak Island with bear-dye crab. You know, it turned into be... Kodiak had a lot of bear-dye crab there. Mm You know? And... You can usually catch lots of fish when you're the first one, yeah, (laughs) or or close to it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But then the Bering Sea, and when we first started, when I first started on the Bering Sea, we didn't have enough markets out there, so we'd go out and fish, maybe 10 days, have one tank of red crab and one tank of bear dye crab, and run it all the way back to Kodiak. Kodiak. Yeah, for... So, well, that's a trip. Yeah, but you know, and then they started building more canneries out, and that's where you, we could all get. Yeah. And when it started, once it got going in those days, it it went. You know it. You know, it it, it went good, and then Wakefields or Pacific Pearl built cap or had a crab plant in Captain's Bay, and then Pacific Pearl built the plant, and Unice had the plant,
0: and Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you see those quotas you just do, you know, like the last couple of years especially decreasing decreasing but you don't see that with Pollock I mean slight slight adjustments but the, the Pollock just keeps coming back well yeah I mean it's the
1: I, I don't know how it's all going to go see I've always I've always what I call had a pair of bifocals on where I could see where I'm walking and then I could see where I'm going so you look down and I'm pretty apprehensive because that's the way I am. I'm kind of apprehensive about what's going to happen with all this uh, warming and the ice because I'm a believer in ice for the fish, for the, my my way of thinking ice is a part of the cycle up there. And you know, a lot of those pollock go clear up to that ice edge and they feed off that uh, algae that grows on the, you know, that. The ice is full of algae. Full of it. Mm-hmm. So, if there's less ice, hmm, there must be less algae. And, and a lot of the algae is fed by the walrus excrement and the bird excrement on the ice. Well, if there's less ice, there's, and you're hearing stories about the walrus go to the islands and the birds aren't as many birds, I I just don't know. Mm-hmm. See? But it, anyway, oh yeah, pop. Pollock is, a, but it's on both sides of the line up there and they migrate around, you know, these fish fish swim. So we're gonna see. I'm real excited about this Canadian group that started a salmon research up in the Gulf, going to different areas, trying to track down where they spend the winters and the summers. I saw
0: they, th- that group tagged 25 kings right, and like 19 of them were eaten, you know, that they, they, that they, I I don't know,
1: you know, I'm kind of a king aficionado, I mean, uh, I like to catch them, I spend a lot of time up in Norton Sound and those other areas, I just don't know, one of their goals on that trip is to find out what is going on with the coastal rivers up here on Kings, the run's going down, and they're trying to do more research out there. I don't know. But, you know, with any fish, from the time they're born to the time you catch them, sometimes you got to have four or five good things happen in four or five different years. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. It's not just one spawn or one this. It's, it's a series of things. Mm-hmm. And at least now they're starting to do research on the high seas, you know. One of my goals, was, <laughs> never get anything done, was to re- research the high seas gill net fleet. You know, there used to be a lot of salmon fishing out there. The Japanese, say the Koreans, the Taiwanese, and research, if you can find out time and areas where they caught kings and sockeyes, and cause they, they, they spent years out there, you know. Those, mm-hmm. those guys know what's go- going on. Mm-hmm. So I just don't, don't know. I mean, it's, it's a mystery. You know, I think it still is, and I've always been concerned. We can count the fish going up the rivers, we can count the fish going down the rivers, but what's going on out there, we don't know a lot. Yeah. And they're, at least they're trying, and so we'll we'll have to see how it, there's no one thing does anything, there's no silver bullets in the fish. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it, it's there's, there's getting to be a lot of, research and I'm really enthused about the Canadians doing that of course they're doing it but I think if we can get something going in the Bering Sea also because that's from the rivers north right north of, of the chain I think there's a lot up there we can learn but then you look at you look at the Nushagak and the, shit they got fish boiling in there there's
0: a lot we don't know. Yeah, you would think that Canada would actually be involved over in the Yukon, too. You know, because that... Oh, yeah. That, that yeah. river feeds well, all the way...
1: Yeah. I don't know how much... Well, don't get me on Yukon King. so year or eight a Yukon Queen, King? that's it. Well, they got to go... You know, they stop eating when they hit the fresh wall. They got to go 800 miles. 800, and that's maybe damn near 2,000 miles oh. on the fat that they have so, if you can get one down there and I've had a few that came out of shrimp nets i mean herring uh, nets and stuff, oh that's a different fish.
0: I'm going to be in Kotzebue here in uh well in august you, get, get, get you what are you gonna do in Kotzebue? That's part of the fleet that I manage is which fleet's I'm doing um, fleet manager for a seafood company you know that oh okay, and i'll be in uh oh. I'll be in Kotzebue.
1: I got a book I wish I'd have brought it down here. Because you know we used to do a lot of herring buying. Well, you would have to record this from uh, from Tuksook and Tanunik and Nelson Island yeah. and all that area. And there was a book I got from the University of Alaska on the anthropology of those areas, and you you really understand
0: what they go through and what 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 it was like up there. Yeah. As far I, as the you mean, as far as the natives go, the, the yeah, yeah yeah. So you had a lot of interactions with that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well,
0: I remember the first time I went into Shack Tuttlek, I about flows, throws my
1: ass off, because I just flew in there. We were going to get a herring fleet going, and I'd walk down the street. It was about zero degrees, and every once in a while, a curtain would open up, and they'd look. but
0: They,
1: they, they weren't coming out to they, say hi. They, they weren't coming. So I finally talked to school, and let me sleep in the gymnasium, because they, they, they had the heat going all night in there. Right. <laughs> finally, I started meeting guys you No. Know, Oh, I got a lot of some of my best friends are from from there now mm-hmm. oh yeah that that was a and I see there they got a crab fishery going up there yeah, yeah you're constantly pulled back to Alaska constantly, well, I get a reservation go up there <laughs> about the tenth well, I built a cabin, yeah, up, yeah, up yep there. yeah but yep yeah you know got uh,
0: in southeast, yeah go up there and spend the time anything else you want to share with this part no i just wanted
1: to make sure i got this thing i just kind of
0: oh let's see what that one you didn't show me that one no that's the second trip okay miles and miles of fish well
1: it, that's oscar again where's the date here there's no date on. on this one i think it's just maybe six months after this i was on that trip but i was the cameraman let's see and this b and was yet ja- a Japanese-owned, big bon- it,
0: it's er- a- Everyone knows there's a bottom fish fishery around the shores of Kodiak Island. The foreign fleets long ago proved that. Yeah. How big the resource is, other than vast, nobody can say with any degree of certainty. Let's see. Wow. So on this uh, on this one that you gave me from yeah. the first trip. The other headline on here is explorers return to command ship. Yeah, well, that's a that, that, that's just putting you a date stamp in time there. well, it's stamped in time. Yeah,
1: and uh, and this was a follow. up, I think they came in with forty thousand on that trip, and those were iced down and shipped down to Seattle
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a container to try and get more feedback from the quality control and the food service and. Everything. Oh, excellent, excellent. And here's here's a great. This is k- kind of my iconic picture of Oscar. Man, yeah. He's got his waiters flipped down. Well, he he was a hell of a guy. You know, he was on the Board of Fish. He was on the North Pacific Council. He was. Sound like he was a good mentor for you. Oh well, I love that guy. Yeah, he he and I were really good good friends oh I had a lot of good mentors I had a lot of skippers that that were really really good Mm -hmm. like I'd uh, I've always said well not always but you know when you get a little older you're not quite as sure of yourself (laughs) and you're a little more reflective (laughs) because I've had to duck a few times with the Grim Reaper took a whack at me, and I happened to duck. But uh it's really amazing how many guys uh, help you out. Yeah, and having Peggy there, you know, Peggy, and it always was in Kodak, it was Oscar and Peggy. I mean, that's What's, all one word. When's the last time you saw the Peggy Joe? Oh, Jimmy McManus and I went over to Ivor and had Cod, and I could look through the Trees and see
0: it, sit, it sitting there. Yeah, she she uh, tendered for Trident yeah. Falls Pass last year. Yeah, um, you think you think the end of the era is coming for that boat now? I don't when know. She's retiring. You know,
1: don't don't. Yeah yeah. You know I don't think end of the era comes for any boat. It just who owns it and who's got the dream and who got the what. And mm-hmm. I just don't know because. But when you see it, memories come back. Oh man, I had I got stories on there that just don't quit I I can't tell them what come on (laughs) no I don't I have a hard time telling stories about guys that 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 are dead and aren't here to defend themselves and get another crack at me Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah there's not just just one story but yeah they they were great right. I think one of my kids or somebody asked me if you could do it what would you change about your life? And I said probably nothing and and they say why And I said, well probably because if I had another life I probably I probably wouldn't have met the same people. I mean yeah that's what
0: <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. and you being, value and value in.
1: being on the boat and doing all that is one thing but being on with Oscar and Ellie and Danny and you know it had been could have been a whole different thing mm-hmm. you know who, who you're with yeah i only in my experience i only had to fire one guy off my boat i only had to fire one and he wrote me a letter afterwards and said thanks for firing me really? <laughs> well he, he he just wasn't cut out you know yeah. but he finally well, understood that but anyway that that. It's the way it goes, mm-hmm. you know, relation. And I've heard some of your podcasts, you can tell people really develop relations. I hired a lot of guys on my boats, but I didn't keep them, the crew kept them because if they didn't want them, there you go. Well, something, you know, the door fell on their head or they pulled the buoys out of the pot and hit them in the stomach. And you know, finally the guy's man, this is too rough on me. <laughs> I seen that out No, no, but uh, I've had some great experiences with, with guys. I, I counted up the other day, there's probably a lot of skippers say the same thing, but I think I've had 12 guys that started with me that wound up running their own boats, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Some good guys, too, but I had first crack at them. <laughs> yeah, that's... Maybe they maybe they speak about you the way that you speak about us. Oh, nicer. I don't know. I think, you know, the skippers have... Well, I've done some crazy things. You know? <laughs> I had a partner, Jerry Kennedy, who just passed. I don't know if you know about that. He he had lung problems. I don't know if I can tell that story. Because afterwards, i never tell the story without him sitting there and giving me permission to tell the story. Because it's a terrible, terrible story. We're out fishing. I don't know if I should tell that one. We're out fishing in the Bering Sea. And back before we had all these track plotters, I had one of those school spiral note, note notebooks uh-huh. where, you, where you'd put your pot number down and you'd put the lat line or, or something and you'd put 90 degrees to the next pot, that, 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 that. And after you've gone through the string about 10 times, it looks just like chicken scratches. Mm-hmm. So we we got done fishing about two, two days long there with a little snooze and I told the guys to go to bed. I'll take it over to another string of gear about six hours away. And I'm sitting there going through my notebook and all of a sudden, and amateurly buoy pops up in front of me. I run right over it. I said, shit, I don't have any pots here. What the hell did I do? So I go back and I went, like, ah, there's a string of 25 pots that I'd missed. I, I just missed. And I had a six-hour run over to the other gear. And I'd fished all around so I knew it was crab in that pot. And the only way to get a new crab is get the old crab out and fresh bait in. <laughs> right. So I said, now what the hell am I going to do? Because you just sent everybody to bed? Yeah. hmm and I must have gone crazy. So I went down there. I wanted to get those pots. So I went down there, you won't believe this, but I went down and I turned the clock up six hours. (laughs) And I woke him up. (coughs) Oh, Jesus, poor old Jerry. And he was raw boned. He'd been working about two days straight and he slept about 20 minutes. And he's sitting there drinking his coffee and his skivvy shorts. And he says, "Bart, this is my last trip. I'm starting to think, you know, maybe this isn't a pretty good idea. And, and I said, what's wrong, Jerry? You know, cause I'd fished with him for years and he'd fished with me and he'd run the boat and I, you know. I said, what do you mean? You're gonna quit? He says, yeah. He says, six hours sleep just doesn't get it anymore. <laughs> well, well, then I start feeling bad. You know, it's surprising, something like that. So I run upstairs. Uh, everybody gets out there, and they're pulling gear. But with the house being aft, I can see everything going on deck. You know, I, And I knew these guys pretty well. Pretty soon, they're all huddled up there, pointing at the sky and looking at their watches. What the <laughs> hell is it? And I say, oh, shit. Because, see, I thought I'd, you know, you thought you had I'd get them down, get them to bed. and pretty soon they start talking I remember old Dwayne Clark he kind of just looks out of the group and looks up at me pretty soon the guy waddles back to the back of the house to go look at the clock on the wall and they come on he's shaking his head they busted you oh terrible so usually what they do they come in and have breakfast and when the breakfast is cooked one guy would come up and relieve me at the wheel no, nobody comes up there to leave me at the wheel. two weeks where I got invited to a meal two weeks <laughs> two weeks they were <laughs> you had to just go down and dish it up run back after the they'd always leave it on the stove after they
0: all left <laughs> two weeks did you apologize to them I mean obviously they caught you I never did apologize
1: the only thing that saved me we were catching craft right when you're catching craft
0: everything's yeah, all right.
1: yeah you can be you know that was the key that's pretty good but I, as I'm telling the story it may be snickering out just cause we survived and would I do it again I don't know but it was a Bad thing to do to a man's head. Six hours. Just, I'll, just never, head I'll never forget him saying that. And then I had to get upstairs, and I didn't come. I didn't want to come down for dinner.
0: <laughs> didn't want to make eye contact. Yeah. Six anyway, hours sleep. is they just don't it get anymore. it anymore,
1: Skipper. Yeah, <laughs> that was a terrible thing to do. But I think he kind of forgave me because I'd ask him before I tell the story. And, yeah, go
0: ahead. <laughs> anyway that's that's great Bart that is awesome
1: Man, well no you.
0: it's not I'm not proud of that no it's just a, it's a good story it's well, a good story it's
1: one of those things you do yeah
0: <laughs> I, I really appreciate you coming and sharing this uh, okay, well, with us today okay well I just want to get that around I mean I just and you know like we've
1: talked about Hamilton before some people live some people die and some people tell the story yeah yeah <laughs>
0: I could, but what is that who is that that is the northern hawk okay god probably doing pollock doing pollock that's a lot but it's a little bit bigger than the Peggy Joe and it's gonna pack more than 15,000 pounds <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah
0: you were, yeah, no, you were I, saying that uh, 15,000 pounds goes out the scuppers sometimes now oh I'm sure well I'm kind of <laughs> no I know I know but this is here. Talking. yeah this one here if you guys listening you can look her up she's called the northern hawk I think she's a part of the native corporation boat isn't she I know the boats Uh, what does she say on her yeah coastal villages northern hawk coastal villages yeah I don't think anybody on the Peggy Joe in 1971
1: had that kind of dream in their head you know it'd be impossible to
0: have it that's where we've come she's got to be how long do you think she is Bart oh hell I don't know 300 I don't know 250 yeah She's sitting out of the water, I don't know. What is 36 feet, maybe? Yeah, she probably just. But that's how far it's come, guys. That's how far Pollock yeah, has come yeah. from the, what, 70-foot Peggy Joe, or was she even 70? I she's, think she's a 90. 90?
1: I don't think, I think she's think the
0: dimensions are in here, actually. I don't Let's think see. she's ever been... It's 100 linked. feet long with a 28-foot yeah. beam. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's 100 feet long, so, yeah, it's, okay. it's a big change right there. From the first to yeah, we used the, to go out on that boat.
1: I actually fished on that boat for a year, fishing shrimp, and everybody made money at four cents a pound.
0: Yeah, yeah. you said <laughs> you, you said you raised a family on that. No, but it's the way things change. Yeah, it's amazing how things have changed. Anyway, how big the fishery is. Okay, well, Bart, uh, okay, thank you for coming out and sharing yep. today, and hopefully we get you back again when you come back from Alaska. Well, and, I don't know. I just I just want to get that one down. I appreciate it, and I'm sure that the listeners do, too. So, uh, uh, guys, once again, it's been another uh, installment of Galley Stories, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes, whether you like it or not. We're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter, too, and reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.